Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you have an experience that you'd like to share, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Thank you to Tess Chalice and Kelly Christopher for backing the Stories of COVID podcast. Backing a podcast on Anchor is very similar to backing a project on Patreon. You can designate a monthly amount, and that goes to support the project. We don't know how long the pandemic will be going on, and so I don't know how long I will be doing these interviews. Your support helps keep this going, not just as a podcast, but also eventually for the book. Go to the Anchor app and search Stories of COVID to make your own contribution. And thank you. Kirsten Zeider lives in Washington, D.C., Her story involves a lot of travel early in the days of coronavirus and witnessing the cascade of policies across each trip. She also tells the story of a friend's wedding being canceled due to the virus. At first, I remember um, the reporting was very much focused on China and Wuhan, which is to be expected because that's where it started, of course. Um, And I remember there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of folks um, in the media and science reporting and and different um, mediums expressing concern uh, that the virus could turn into a pandemic. I think in those early days, people were quite skeptical because there's been a number of potential pandemics in the past that have gotten quite a lot of coverage and then sort of, you know, thankfully they were dealt with and um, didn't really become as global of a scale as this has. And so I think it took a lot of people by surprise when the sort of early alarms bells turned out to be true. Um, But I remember in that first stage was sort of like, will this, won't this, where will this go? That sort of thing. I mean, for me personally, I was Something I read early on must have convinced me that this was something to take very seriously because from a very early point, I was very invested in reading up all of the news, all of the coverage. Like I started taking it very seriously and realized this was going to be a global um, pandemic early um, and not realizing it on my own, but you know, I was following those who believed it, who were reporting on it, who study it. Um, Whereas so many people around me that I spoke with sort of were like, oh, the hype, you know, the, oh, can you believe people are panicking? Can you believe all of this Corona hype? Um, And I sort of, as we got closer and closer to that tipping point in this part of the country, which was in like mid-March, as we got closer to that tipping point, I got more and more frustrated that so many people around me were not taking it that seriously and simultaneously more and more convinced (laughs) that this was correct that this was going to happen, unfortunately. Um, So it was a very strange and surreal sort of way to experience all of that unfolding because 
what I was seeing being reported and what so many people around me were saying really didn't match. Um, you know, I, and so I'm not really used to that being the case. It was very disheartening and frustrating, especially because, you know, like a lot of the people I surround myself with, usually we don't have big disagreements about what are like facts happening <laughs> around us. You know, um, we have disagreements about, you know, policy and how to deal with things and you know, we debate politics and that sort of thing. But never in my adult life have I felt so starkly at odds with so many people I'm close with and respect about what was happening and our thoughts about what might happen in the future. And I think that's just kind of the nature of how unpredictable and how fast shifting this has all unfolded. I mean, things changed so quickly. Um, I remember in mid-March, it was like in a four-day time frame, it seemed like things were night and day in terms of everyone's views, in terms of responses, in terms of policy. Like everything happened slowly and then all at once. <laughs> I took quite a long vacation with my partner Adi um, when we, uh, it was in February, it was in mid-January to early February. And so it was right at the start. Um, and so we were in Morocco where I had done Peace Corps. And um, we also went to Portugal on our way back because we flew through Portugal. So we did a long layover. Um, and at that point, there was no um, incidents of coronavirus in either of those countries. But it was definitely still on our mind as we were traveling. But it was almost like a passing thought, like, oh, you know, okay, like, let's use a little bit more hand sanitizer than we would because we're on an international flight and you never know, coronavirus, but we weren't joking, but it was not really a true anxiety at that point. After that, uh, I came back and a few weeks later, I went to Florida to visit my mom. So this was late February, I think at this point that I traveled to Florida. And by that time, we did have coronavirus in the United States. And so I was starting to take it even more seriously and almost wondered if I should be traveling then. Um, but it was definitely premature in terms of where most Americans' minds were to be reconsidering travel that, that early. The final bit of travel that I did was that weekend when everything sort of shifted in mid-March, when all of the shutdowns started. And, you know, that was really bizarre to be traveling during that time because it almost felt like we were on a last, one last adventure before the world ended, something like that, like that kind of feeling. And, you know, we had a lot of reservations about going, but it was a trip that was planned for months and months and in celebration of a friend. So, you know, we, we tried our best to do as many outdoor activities and hiking and stuff like that to stay away from people. So that was, it was strange because we left for our trip and we came back and everything had changed while we were gone. When we went, there had been no incidents yet of coronavirus in North Carolina. There were very few in DC, but still, of course, I mean, as we know now, it was spreading rapidly undetected at that point. And so it's it's really strange to think about now, but I mean, even the mind, the mindset of most people in the country changed so dramatically when from what the day we left to the day we came back. I mean, it was like the day we left, it would have seemed alarmist to not go. And the day we came back, we were almost like, oh, shoot, we were traveling, you know? Um, it was very bizarre to behold how quickly the the, the tide shifted. I think that's one of the things I'll always remember about this was how quickly things just changed and continue to, right? Like the scientific understanding of this thing is also changing rapidly. Well, the strange thing in DC is that there was a big um, almost exodus of people leaving. 
So, you know, people started leaving DC um, when, the when the shutdown started, um, leaving for, leaving to go stay with family, leaving to go stay with close friends, leaving to go back to where they grew up. And so, you know, for me, when I first moved to DC, people were sort of, I heard everybody talking about DC as this transient place. Nobody ever really calls it home. Um, and I never got that sense because I guess most of the people that I was uh, interacting with all my friends, we were moving to DC and planning to stay put. But I think that was the single greatest illustration I've seen that that is probably has a nugget of truth in it um, with how many people didn't really consider DC home enough for them to ride this thing out. It was a strange thing to have everybody asking me, like, you know, whenever you're catching up on a Zoom or anything, like, oh, so what's your situation? Are you going to stay? You're going to go? As though it's like a consideration that everybody would naturally be making, whether or not you're going to leave the place you're calling home. DC still has um, stay at home, order in place. I can't recall at the moment if it's through May 15th or May 31st, but I know it extends into May. Um, and so businesses, non-essential businesses are shut down. Um, schools, of course, um, but DC is not one of the states that is starting to lift restrictions um, anytime soon that I've heard of. One of my best friends, they, um, him and his fiance were meant to get married on April 18th. Um, so while we were on that trip to North Carolina for his bachelor party, that's when they made the determination they had to postpone the wedding. That's its own component of the story um, in itself, but then um, in addition, when we were trying to do something nice for them on the day of their, their their original planned wedding day, which was the 18th of April, we decided to get some custom-made cupcakes for them. And so when we went to pick up the cupcakes from the shop, I saw a friend of a friend who works at the cupcake shop. And so I got to have like a face-to-face -face conversation with a friend for the first time in weeks. And it was in the context of this cupcake pickup for a wedding that was postponed. <laughs> And so it was a strange silver lining and a weird day. Um, and then in addition to that, when we were dropping off the cupcakes, we almost didn't know where to drop them off because our friends are staying with um, their mom, my friend's uh, fiance's mom. They're staying with her during this time because um, they wanted to keep her company and she lives in a bigger place. Um, and of course, I don't know that address by heart, whereas I do know the address by heart for where they live normally. Um, so we're driving around with these cupcakes, having had this bizarre interaction in the cupcake shop, like, where do they live? We're trying to call them. Um, like, where does your mom live? Um, so it was a happy ending. We, we were able to drop off the cupcakes and um, they had a nice little day with some other friends that also sent them bottles of champagne and things like that. Episodes are being released as soon as I get the interviews. So subscribe so that you don't miss a thing and share if this meant something to you and if you think others might benefit. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Stay safe. Stay well. <laughs>